Michael, this is all very confusing. This is On Markets with Remy and Tino. Today's Friday, February 12th, and cryptocurrency is back in the headlines. The usual suspects like Bitcoin and Ethereum are on the rise, but this week, Dogecoin stole the show. So I actually had to look this up too. It's not Dogecoin. It's Dogecoin. It's Dogecoin, right? Dogecoin, yeah. yeah <laughs> Even though there's a dog on it. Yeah. So, so here's, here's a fun fact. Dogecoin, as of today, um, has a higher or a larger market cap than Western Union. Um, bigger than Under Armour. What and is Dogecoin? Do you know? It, so this is where it gets funny. It's a cryptocurrency started in 2013 by a guy or a software developer. I think maybe two software developers that they did it as a joke. They thought the whole crypto thing, I guess, was a little strange. So they said, wait a minute, we could do that. And they created their own cryptocurrency called Dogecoin. They said they like spent three hours on some Sunday putting the code together, launched it, and it started trading. And, and for some reason, over the past couple of weeks, it's taken off. There's a little, tiny little cult-like following for a little while there for a couple of years, but it really didn't do anything. And then um, you know, the almighty Elon Musk tweeted a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of days maybe at this point. Your nemesis. <laughs> yeah, in so many ways. Uh, he, uh, uh, he, he tweets and then all of a, because Elon Musk tweeted it, it's got to be good. It's like when Signal, he tweeted Signal a couple of weeks ago, the stock shot 5,200%. Now Dogecoin's on everybody's radar. Snoop Dogg even did uh, something with it. And uh, what was the other? Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons got on the party. So now everybody's looking at this thing. It's worth more than $10 billion. I mean, that's crazy. It's absolutely What does crazy. it do? Is it, is it, it doesn't do anything. There's no currency? There's no utility. I mean, right now, um, it's actually bigger than Xerox now that I'm looking at my screen. Uh, so it, it doesn't do anything. It's a, it's a, it's a Pokemon card. You know, it's, it's, it's to act as a currency. It's, it's, I guess, it, well, they never intended it to be, but now it's traded on a couple of the crypto platforms. Nobody's really accepted it as currency, except for apparently one website I read that uh, you, can, you can use Dogecoins to buy a coin that had a Shiba Inu uh, dog oh, yeah, face, that, the, the, the logo, right? Yeah, their logo. So they, they're totally sold out. So you can't even buy one right now. So I, I, this thing is, I, I don't know. Everybody's saying it's a sign of a bubble, but I think it's more of a sign of how humans haven't changed. Stupidity. And yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. still out there. Yeah, Just a sign of stupidity. All right, well, I mean, let's talk about crypto then as long as, we're, as long as we're on the topic. Yeah. So let's start with the most basic question, which is what is cryptocurrency? Because honestly, I feel like, I, I feel like the term is, has become sort of a misnomer, in my opinion. Because 99% of cryptocurrencies aren't treated as currencies. They aren't. You know, they've gotten this label. You're right. It's just because you're some type of a digital coin trader online and you've got, um, I mean, you've got a ledger behind that, that somehow it makes you a currency. And that's absolutely not the case. I mean, there's a couple tests for currencies we can get into. But, you know, crypto is an interesting idea. Uh, it started... What, Roughly 2008 time frame, this anonymous person, I'm going to screw up his name, is Satoshi something. And he, the, the, it's probably a pen I name. I think it's There's a Satoshi lot of, Nagamoto, I think. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's something like that. So 
there's always a, there's been a bunch of rumors of who this guy really is. Actually, the the going um, theory right now is it's Elon Musk. Yeah, I read that too. So uh, nothing would surprise me out of this guy. No, I mean the guy's a, certainly a genius. But uh, anyway, so so if you think about currency itself, a cash transaction that I go to a coffee shop to buy a cup of coffee. I give the barista three bucks. They give me my coffee. I walk away. There's no way to actually prove that that transaction ever happened, right? That barista could pocket the money. They could never record it, never pay taxes on it. Cash transactions have been around for a very long time. And that's, you know, there's a lot of good and bad things about cash transactions. Now, when I went to buy my apartment, it was a different story. I had to take a loan, or excuse me, I had to go to the bank, get a certified check. Uh, I took money out of my bank account, which is digitally recorded by Bank of America. The government can track it. And that entire process is recorded. So uh, there's a couple of advantages there too, right? So I don't want to carry a bag of cash to closing. If I get robbed, then I'm out a couple, you know, uh, what, ten dollars or $100,000, whatever it is. Uh, but at the same time, if I want to buy something and not want anybody to know about it, I'm kind of out of luck, okay? If I send a check, if I pay somebody with a check, or a credit card, there's a record of that transaction. So crypto was design, cryptocurrency was designed to solve those two challenges. How do you replicate a cash transaction digitally to where it can be done anonymously, uh, but at the same time safe? So that was the idea behind Bitcoin. And it's a very fascinating idea. Since then, it's taken off in obviously many different directions, but that's the fundamental principle why crypto was created. So this is what I've always wondered from day one. It seems like it's the, the the idea is sort of at odds with itself, right? The idea is, of course, that it's decentralized and that um, every transaction is recorded. But at the same time, every transaction is anonymous and you don't know, you know who's making the transaction. So who cares if it's recorded? What's the point? It's not like, uh, you know, if I lose my, my crypto, it's not like I can, you know, if I lose my Bitcoin or whatever, I, I can't go and look at the ledger and say, well, here's proof that I bought Bitcoin, uh, you know, two years ago and somebody else has it now. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen so many different offshoots of crypto. Like, for example, Ethereum. Uh, I, I've never owned Ethereum, but I, what I've been told is that you can assign a, you know, a contract or some type of a deed or trust or whatever you want to call it to that transaction. So in your, in, in, to your point, now it becomes a little bit more than just transferring money. You can attach, let's say I bought a house. I can attach, attach that contract or that, that, uh, the property deed, whatever you want to call it to that transaction. And if I have the digital key, I can show and I can prove that it is in fact mine in a court of law, whatever it may be. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And this is where I, this is why I say that I feel like 99% of cryptocurrency really isn't currency, right? I mean, uh, I can see the use for Ethereum. I have Ethereum personally, um, but you know, am I going to buy a, a, a can of Coke with it? No. Am I going to buy anything with it? Probably not. You know, the 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 technology behind it makes sense, but it's not a currency. It's in my opinion. So, so now you're getting philosophical and finance. What really is a currency? If you think about it, it. It's, it's a, you know, you could call it a medium of exchange. You could say it's something that, let's go, let's look at the U.S. dollar. Now, 80% of world trade uh, is done with U.S. dollars. So if I'm Saudi Arabia, you're Vietnam, I don't trust your currency, you don't trust mine. So we transact in U.S. dollars. And, and why do we do that? Is that there's a level of implied trust in the dollar that that value is going to be withheld. And it's also going to be a very stable currency. Uh, ironically, Bitcoin, which is probably the most currency-like of the cryptos, uh, the biggest challenge with Bitcoin 
being used as a currency is its volatility. It's the fact that if I, let's go back to my coffee transaction. If I buy a coffee and I use crypto or I use Bitcoin, by the time I send that Bitcoin to that coffee shop and they go to convert that to US dollars, the value, as you know, could change 20, 30%, something like that. Not a cup of coffee, not a big deal. But if you're dealing with, you know, Tesla just announced that they might be accepting Bitcoin for, uh, for purchasing their cars and, and the Cybertruck. I mean, they do that. They're going to have to have a very sophisticated hedging program in place to make sure that they don't lose money on those transactions because Bitcoin is still, in my opinion, way too volatile to be used as an actual currency. You got to have some stability there. So you brought up Tesla. So I have a, I don't know if it's a question or a statement. Elon Musk, what uh, you said it earlier, right? Elon Musk about three days ago, four days ago, tweets out that Dogecoin is the future. Dogecoin skyrockets. A day later, Tesla announces that they just bought one, one and a half billion, I believe. Yeah. Right. One, mm -hmm. $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, not Dogecoin, Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I mean, how, how can you take anything Tesla or Elon Musk does seriously? Well, clearly people are. It doesn't make any sense. I think his, his, his loyal disciples have, have, have uh, metaphorically had, had enough Kool-Aid to, to say that anything that he does is good and, and, and almighty. I mean, I don't understand this phenomenon as much, but there's a couple of things that are going on there. There's one, there's that group of people that will do anything that Elon Musk says. That is, that could be a very long and dangerous conversation between us. Uh, I think the other thing I think is interesting from a financial perspective is why did Tesla do that? Why did they put 1.5 billion into crypto? And, and I, there's a couple potential answers, but I think the one interesting thing that kind of bleeds back or, or kind of goes back into um, much of what we've seen over the past year is the fact that they have a lot of cash sitting on their balance sheet. And what is cash earning right now? Remy, what are you getting your cash accounts right now? Uh, I'm not sure I get anything. You don't get anything. Yeah, no, I don't either, right? Exactly. If you're sitting in cash, you're losing money safely. And I think that a lot of corporate treasurers right now are looking at their cash on, on their balance sheets. And by the way, the world is well, the U.S. at least is flush with more cash than we've ever seen in the history of our country because our money supply is up 26% year over year. So you got a lot of this money sitting on balance sheets that is not doing anything or cash rather. And they're trying to figure out a way to monetize or at least make that cash work for the company. And a, a company like Tesla has some very smart engineers, big uh big balance sheet and the ability to hedge currency swings is probably th looking at the situation saying, hey, let's put some money into crypto and let's see if we can get some type of an ROI off of this. So why Bitcoin? I mean, if, if, if Musk says Dogecoin is the future, why aren't they <laughs> buying $1.5 billion of Dogecoin? Well, this is where I, 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 this, this falls apart for me. This is why I can't take it seriously, it's, right? Well, Either, I mean, what, you know, I, I can't figure it out. Is, is Musk manipulating the situation to his advantage? Is he just toying with people and just, you know, he kind of knows his word is gospel. So, hey, you know what? I'm just going to say some wild stuff and see what happens. Like what, what, this is my beef with Elon Musk in general. I never had a problem with him. I know you've always had a problem with this guy. I've never had a problem with him until recently. I feel like this guy's just totally irresponsible and just, I can't figure out what's going on. I just, look, my thing with him is that the, the antics that he's done over the several, several years now, if most other publicly facing CEOs said and did what he did, they would be, I'm not saying in jail, but 
they wouldn't be running their company right now. Yeah, it's wild. I don't know how he gets away with what he does. I mean, he's been investigated by the SEC. He he has said things that has blatantly manipulated a stock and gotten away with it. I, I don't I don't get it personally, and and I'm not a securities lawyer by any stretch of the imagination. But again, any other CEO did that, and they probably wouldn't keep their job. I think the reason why they went with Bitcoin, frankly, it's the tallest midget. When you think about volatility, you think about all the the issues and the risks associated with crypto. Bitcoin tends to be the most stable of all of them. But you know, it, it, you're right. There's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy here. Is it you know you? It's not a very liquid asset. It's not very you know actively traded uh, overall in the grand scheme of things. So. You know, you put a bunch of money into crypto, you announce it, it goes up. Look what happened. You know, now you've got a $1.5 billion asset on your balance sheet that was earning nothing that now is up 20% above where you theoretically announced it, which means it's probably up even more from the point where they actually bought it, which is, I think they said back in mid-January, they started buying chunks uh, over, the, over several days. So do you think that cryptocurrency is a valid long-term investment? I would... I would say yes, but under a couple conditions. First, only buy what you're willing to watch go to zero. That way you hedge your downside. But there is an asymmetric payoff here, right? Let's say, uh, let's say the, bad, the bad stuff happens and crypto goes to zero. Then let's say you buy one Bitcoin, I don't know, what is it, 40 grand, 40,000, 40, something like that right now. 44. Oh, 44 today. You lose 44 grand or some, some portion of that. Okay, that's, that's, you know, that's a bad night out in New York. So be it. Now, if you are right, or if, if, if the smart money behind this trade is right, and this ends up being a couple hundred thousand or maybe a million per Bitcoin, you're gonna have a phenomenal payoff. So I, I don't have a problem owning stuff like this. Yeah, but again, to me, it's no different than owning gold, owning art, anything like that. My only other suggestion is use Coinbase or something that's reputable and don't lose that passcode. I mean, how many stories have we seen in the news? Oh, no doubt. People losing like nine figures of net worth because they lost the password. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I knew I could be a billionaire, if I could just remember my password, I'd be in Ginkgo Biloba like it was Tic Tacs. One of these guys that lost the password, it was some, I think some programmer in, in the UK, the story that I read, he's being backed now by a hedge fund to go, and I'm not kidding you, sift and dig through a landfill somewhere out in the middle of, uh, of the UK somewhere. They figured out like what compartment of the landfill his trash is probably in. And he's got a hard drive apparently in there. So he's going to literally, he's getting funded by a hedge fund to go dig through trash because apparently there's like nine figures of Bitcoin on this hard drive somewhere. <laughs> Can you imagine that? This is a weird world we live it, it in. It is. I mean, rewind the clock a year ago. You told me any of this stuff would have been happening. I would have laughed. 2021 has been an, an interesting year so far in the, uh, in the financial world. I, I don't know how exciting it is you know, on your end, because I don't know that I want to be dealing with this from, from an asset management perspective, but from a um, spectator perspective, it, it's been fun. Oh, it's highly entertaining. And you know, the, the way to keep it entertaining and not dangerous is just to look at it peripherally and laugh. I mean, that's what I've been doing at least. I mean, from an investment standpoint, our strategy really hasn't changed at all. I mean, it, it, you know, it's not really getting a lot of publicity right now, but there's a, there's a couple of key drivers right now that are, that are building in this economy. Uh, you know, I, I was reading some interesting um, work today from, uh, from an economist I follow, and 
you know, his point was interesting is that, look, you know, if we've got, we've got 25 million people that have basically tested positive for COVID in, in this country, uh, the CDC says typically there's four people that have contracted the virus for every one person that's been tested, right? Because not everybody gets tested because they don't realize they have symptoms and whatnot. If that's the case, let's say you're at 100 million people, then that's 100 million people then that potentially has antibodies right now. And then you add in the other 25 million or so that have received the first shot and then the 14 the million that have received the second shot. And you're, you know, call it 140, 150 million people in this country. That's 40% of our country that right now theoretically is resistant to the virus. If that's the case, you know, you're, you're we're in a situation where herd immunity could come faster than maybe we expected, faster than I expected. I, I, I didn't expect it for us to potentially be here this quickly. So you've got an economy that's recovering. You've got a virus that is going away. And, and look at the numbers. Hospitalizations are down 40%. Positive tests are down 56% in the last four weeks alone. Uh, and then on top of that, You've got a, a government, a new government that wants to put another 1.9 trillion in our in our pockets. I mean, this is going to be a spending spree that's going to be gasoline on on, a, on an economy that's going to, I think, going to rise for a while. So, you know, a lot of these antics that are going on right now, like Dogecoin, like I missed the Doge, Dogecoin trade. Full disclosure, had no idea it was coming, and I'm okay with that because I'm focusing on the fundamental drivers that's going to drive markets over the next 12 to 18 months. To me, that's where my interest and in, in excitement really lies. Yeah, I remember reading about Dogecoin. I, I was, I, I, I sort of got into crypto maybe four or five years ago. I don't, I don't really remember one. And, uh, you know, I threw a little bit of money at it. And I can tell you, I, I watched, I don't remember what I invested, but, you know, it wasn't a tremendous amount, 10 or $15,000. And, uh, you know, I watched that go to just about zero. Um, <laughs> you know, within six months. And of course, at that point, you know, what do you do? You hold on to it. It's the only thing you can do. Um, you know, four years later, you know, I'm sitting pretty cause it, it looks great. That's, that's great. But you know, I have no expectations that, that six months from now, it's not back to zero. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to talk about, but I don't know. I, I find it not credible enough to, to, to bank on. That's for sure. And I, and I don't think it is. Look, there's still a lot of risk out there, right? You've got regulatory risk to, to a degree. I mean, I don't think the government could actually shut it down. It's, it's like you said earlier, it's, it's, it's decentralized. It's, it's too hard to shut down. But, you know, it is still a currency, quote unquote currency, that's used more for money laundering than it is for buying pizzas at Domino's. So you've got all these risks associated with this. And, and, and I think what you're doing makes a lot of sense. If you want to own this, own it. Don't trade it. Don't forget the, the the professional traders that are in the, that are trying to navigate these markets in crypto. They are no, they're not dumb. They are using incredibly sophisticated algorithms, and you will get your face ripped off at some point if you try to trade this stuff. So if you want to own it, great. Like like you said, buy it, watch it go to zero, watch it come back. Whatever happens with it, keep it in there. Uh, but if you start day trading this thing, you're going to get creamed at some point. No doubt. And plus, you know, I think we should also throw out there for, for anybody that's not experienced um, with crypto, it, it's not particularly intuitive 
to to trade either. Um, you know, it, it's it's not as as easy as setting up a, a Robinhood account or a TD Ameritrade account or whatever. Uh, you know, funding it and starting to trade. You know, it doesn't really work that way. There, there's a little bit more uh, behind it, a little bit more complexity behind it um, in regards to how to purchase whatever particular crypto you're looking at. Um, you know, many of which you cannot purchase with. Uh, you know, U.S. dollars. You have to purchase one cryptocurrency in order to trade for a different cryptocurrency, right? So, for example, um, I have um, I have some some Ripple, which, quite frankly, I don't really even remember what that is. I bought it so many years ago, um, but at the time that I bought it, there was no way to purchase that with USD. So I had to open up a Coinbase account and I had to buy Bitcoin. But of course, Coinbase didn't trade Ripple on their platform. So I had to move that Bitcoin to GitHub, which is another platform, which supported both Bitcoin and Ripple. And then I had to trade my Bitcoin for the Ripple. So, you know, it, it's not as easy as just, hey, I'm just gonna sign up for an account and start trading. And of course, you know, through all of that, you, you press one wrong button and, you know, you lose everything you've just invested. Uh, you know, and you're never going to get it back because, as we know, it's anonymous, like we already talked about. So once it's gone, it's gone. There's no recovery. So uh, you know, it's a, it, it's kind of a scary world. Yeah, and and again, you're, the the other challenge too is that th I mean, this stuff is getting hacked all the time. I mean, remember Mount Gox and uh, what was it somewhere in Japan? Yeah, a couple of years yes. ago. The irony is the 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 guy who started that that exchange platform. He ended up going to jail because he stole a bunch of Bitcoin. The irony of that story is that by the time he got out of jail, that Bitcoin was worth billions of dollars. So yeah, it was worth it for him, right? It was 100% worth it. I mean, the guy's loaded yeah. now. I mean, I don't know if he can really move that money, but uh, you know, this stuff gets hacked all the time. So to your point about sophistication, then you got to learn about cold storage and actually how to how to store this stuff. I mean, I, I know a couple of people that work at hedge funds uh, that are trading this and. They, they say that they tend to um, often move their uh, their crypto into cold storage, which is you know a USB drive or something like that, and they take it off the internet and they store it in a safe, I mean, literally a lock and key safe or in a safety deposit box at a big bank. Yeah, and there's actually plenty of cold storage products out there, right? Instead of just, just saving on a hard drive, there are, I mean, essentially what are hard drives, but are hard drives designed specifically for crypto cold storage that have all kinds of security, you know, on the hardware themselves, um, you know, they could read your fingerprints or access codes or, you know, a separate piece of hardware that, that has to, you know, touch the hard drive in order to unlock it or whatever the situation is, you really need to be into it. It's sort of a lifestyle asset, right? Yeah, that's actually a good good way of putting it. It's a lifestyle asset. I, I, I'm with you. If you don't, again, it's it's a whole. I hate quoting Warren Buffett because it's lame. But the whole Warren Buffett philosophy is you know, invest what you understand. And he said for a long time you missed the tech rally because he didn't understand technology. You know, there's there's a there's something to be said about that methodology. Is like if you're going to invest your hard-earned money into something you don't even understand how it works, uh, it, it might be worth passing. Yeah, that or be prepared to lose it. You yeah, know, you don't mind losing it. Yeah, it, hey, look, if it's gambling, I mean, look, some people don't. I don't. I personally don't like sitting at a blackjack table for twelve hours, gambling. I, I lose my mind. Uh, so you know, there's nothing wrong with speculation. Like I'll I'll speculate into my own personal accounts, but I absolutely, under any circumstance, no circumstance, will do large trades. You know, it's not even five percent of my 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 trading account. But every once in a while, it's fun to to, to play the game, and you know, every once in a while, you get lucky and. And you win, but you know, most of the time you don't.